0: Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode,
1: I will share this uh, favorite quote uh, from the singer, songwriter uh, Leonard Cohen. And it goes like this. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. And that's how the light gets in. So if you perfect your innovation, other people may applaud at you, but they will not join your work. Release early release often, admit that nothing is perfect, and maybe just by correcting typos uh, or by (laughs) making sure that whatever uh, message that you uh, put forward starts a hashtag that you lose control. If you lose control, other people can take part in your community.
0: So there's a crack in everything and that's how the light gets in. Welcome to impactboom.org. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 228 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Audrey Tang. A civic hacker and Taiwan's digital minister in charge of social innovation, Audrey is known for revitalizing the computer languages Perl and Haskell, as well as building the online spreadsheet system Ethercalc in collaboration with Dan Bricklin. In the public sector, Audrey served on Taiwan National Development Council's Open Data Committee and K-12 Curriculum Committee and led the country's first e-rulemaking project. In the private sector, Audrey worked as a consultant with Apple on computational linguistics, with Oxford University Press on crowd lexicography, and with Social Text on social interaction design. In the voluntary sector, Audrey contributed to Taiwan's Gov, or Gov0, a vibrant community focusing on creating tools for the civil society with a call to fork the government. So, on today's podcast, we'll discuss Audrey's insights into the social enterprise and innovation movement in Taiwan. So, Audrey, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and good local time, listeners. So, Audrey, to kick things off, we would absolutely love to hear a little bit about your background and what led you to your passion in social innovation. Sure.
1: So, unlike many people today, uh, I believe that uh, bureaucrats are the best pushers, and movers of social innovation, that they are the most innovative bunch. I'm an optimist. And this strange condition uh, began when I was 15 years old. That was 1996. I discovered the future of human knowledge on this new thing called the World Web, and my textbooks were all out of date. So I told my teachers and my principal that I want to quit school and start my education on the World Web. And surprisingly, my principal said, Go ahead with it. Tomorrow you don't <laughs> have to go to school anymore, and I will cover for you. Wow. Uh, la- a year later, I founded a startup working on web technology, and I get to join this fabulous open source at that time still called free software community that runs with this crazy idea, a open multi-stakeholder political system that still powers the internet to this day. So I would argue the World Web is the social innovation, the first social innovation that I run into and also the open source movement.
0: Wow. It's been a fascinating journey. The fact that you were just even able to step out of school and, and self-educate, I mean, it's, it's it's just not the status quo, right? Mm-hmm,
1: that's right, exactly, but with the, um, advent of the internet, nowadays, up to 10% of Taiwanese students can choose their own curriculum and participate in experimental schooling. And after 10 years of this alternative school, nowadays, starting uh, last year, we actually brought those, what we call the competence, digital competence and so on, from the alternative schools movement into our K-12 curriculum, replacing, for example, media literacy. Nowadays, everybody is a producer, so we say competence rather than literacy.
0: It's been a fascinating journey, Audrey, and it's led to your work as digital minister for the Taiwanese government. So Mm -hmm. can you please tell us a little bit about how the Taiwanese government has been promoting social innovation with a range of really diverse approaches?
1: Well, I'm a digital minister working with the Taiwanese government, not for the Taiwanese government.
0: Thank you for uh, And by with,
1: I mean that I'm at this Lagrange point between the social movements on one side and the government on the other side, mm. making sure that each side can see, although we have different positions, we do have common values after all. Uh, and this is um, evidenced by, for example, the presidential hackathon, where every year our president, Dr. Tsai Ing-wen, hunts five trophies to social innovators across Taiwan and the world, actually. There's a international track as well. Um, and those social innovators, for example, instead of convincing people to reduce the use of the plastic bottles, which is very difficult if they already have this habit, um, they make this like Pokemon Go game uh, called Circuit Plus, that people can just field at the water refill stations on this map to complete tasks, to collect coins, and redeem uh, for this tea serving or phone cha culture in Taiwan uh, for specialty drinks and uh, social enterprises, goods uh, in local stores mm. and so on. And this successfully changed people's habits and the partnership with Environmental Protection Agency is then the trophy. The trophy is a micro projector If you turn it on, it shows the president promising you whatever innovation you did in the past three months will become national policy. In the next 12 months, so this is the highest level of cross-sectoral collaboration.
0: Wow, and I absolutely love your your clarification of the working with, and it reminds me of you know this real shift in designing of what used to be designing for to really now designing with and alongside collaboratively. So it's a, it's a beautiful a beautiful way to use that language, Audrey. So mm-hmm. how does your unique role? in the public sector then, help facilitate and communicate social innovation to the public?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, First of all, because I'm working with, not for the government, I'm also part of a vibrant civic technologist community such as GovZero. GovZero is this very simple idea. For all the government services in Taiwan, it all ends in the the GOV.TW. I'm sure it's the same for your jurisdiction as well. Um, They replace it systemically as Dot dot mm-hmm. TW. So, for example, our national participation portal joined the GOV.TW, which has more than 10 million visitors, half of the country's population. If you change an O to a zero in your browser bar, then you go into this shadow government where people co-create novel solutions for each and every digital service that the people doesn't like. So this is demonstration, but not in the protest sense, is in the demo sense. So on joined the G0VDTW, for example, there was a young person named Hau, uh, in Tainan City that see that when we're rationing out the masks, uh, people often get confused which places still have masks and which not. So they created a map where people can report uh, where there's still a uh, mask in stock in each and every pharmacy. And because I'm also part of that Slack channel, so I bring the idea to the premier and now Now, um, every 30 seconds, you can see on the real-time map all the different 6,000 or so pharmacies and their mask storage so that if you swipe your National Health Identity card, the NHI card, and get maybe nine medical masks per two weeks if you're an adult and if you're a child, the person queuing after you can refresh their map or their chatbot and actually see the number decrease by nine or ten. And if uh, they see rather a number increase, they will call the Toffrin line 192 right there to report that something is wrong with our rationing system. So this is participatory accountability this is what I call a reverse procurement. A social innovator makes a good idea, gets disseminated by the media to the society, and we work as vendors to the civic technologists to fulfill the social innovation's
0: resources required. Mm, wow, there's some really, really innovative approaches there. So I'm keen to hear what you believe other governments globally could learn from Taiwan's approach to social innovation and entrepreneurship. You know, we're, we're strong believers here at Impact Boom in, in place-based approaches to social innovation, but really can hear your thoughts on this, Audrey.
1: Sure. I think one of the best ways to go about in the social innovation space uh, when you're a government agency uh, is to radically trust your citizens. Hmm. Make sure that the citizens set the agenda in the here and now, that the citizens through initiatives like citizens' assembly, sortitions, sandbox applications, presidential hackathons, e petition I'm probably missing a dozen uh, that we run in Taiwan. Yeah. Like here. It doesn't matter the form that it takes. What matters is that citizens choose the time and space and the government can serve them as a platform for the stakeholders to meet, to find common values out of different positions and deliver innovations. And the main thing in Taiwan that we have this mantra called fast, fair and fun, if the government can keep this mood of a fast iteration that people's idea gets reflected very quickly, a fair distribution to include the people uh, who are closest to the pain and have least access to decision-making powers, people who are disenfranchised, for example, people who are like 14 years old or younger and so on, as well as uh, make plenty of use of dog memes, cat memes, and things like that Mm -hmm. to make social innovation fun, then the government can serve as a great amplifier without taking over or taking control of social innovation.
0: Mm, Fantastic. Some great insights there. So what are your observations then of the social enterprise movement more broadly in Taiwan?
1: Mm. In Taiwan, uh, in the social
0: enterprise movement, we
1: are a fusion of many different movements there's already a very strong co-op culture in Taiwan in my parents generation mm. uh, and more and more they're looking for democracy not just within the co-op but also engagement with the stakeholders and the wider community through advocacy and so on and of course socially purposeful products and services is of course one of the ways to do that yeah. there's also a very strong B Corp movement uh, where the traditional for-profit companies nowadays are required if they are publicly listed to go through the gri uh, Sustainable development goals listing and things like that but for even not public listed companies there's more than 500 of them registering to basically treat themselves as public listed companies and do a full accountability on their esg impacts of their status well and finally the charities in taiwan are also looking to work for example with uh, famous youtubers i just Filmed a very trending, like the nice most trending um, YouTube film in Taiwan, uh, <laughs> with Adi uh, 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 and on the social enterprise products, and we basically introduce and wrap as quickly as possible to introduce the social purpose of the five social enterprise products. And the reason why the literally one of the most famous YouTuber in Taiwan want to promote for social enterprise is partly because um, his younger sister runs a kind of bubble tea drink shop yeah. and the that they came from uh, the supplier is a social enterprise and they identify strongly with this advocacy and also because it was crowdfunded making this film also increases their reach
0: yeah absolutely it's it's great to hear that there's uh, such strong traction growing there Audrey and good to hear that you know some of these YouTube videos are going viral that really put a focus on on some of these social enterprises and their products so there's obviously been huge changes globally this year with you know, the added impacts of COVID-19 around the globe. So where do you see key gaps and opportunities for us to tackle these deep-rooted social, environmental, and cultural problems that have sort of arisen as a result of COVID-19?
1: Yeah, so my perspective here may not transfer that well because Taiwan has been officially post-pandemic for months now. Mm. Uh, we have, you know, concerts with tens of thousands of live audience. Yeah. Uh, They're all wearing masks, uh, by the way. But anyway, uh, but uh, I think so. we uh, may offer a glimpse of a post-COVID world yes. uh, in Taiwan. And it, it seems that this is for the first time. That for each and every, no matter whether it's the business sector, the charities, the government, and so on, we encounter the same urgency in tackling the same problem together, regardless of our original priorities. And it let us have a glimpse to look at what the world may be when we have hit, uh, you know, the Environmental like carbon emission targets, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the COVID, uh, for a couple months, right? We actually reduce our carbon emission and so on. So it showed that a, a different vision is possible, that of solidarity and of a longer term, longer view thinking. It also elevated um, Taiwan on the international stage, so that we can participate in much more multilateral conversations. For example, a few days before the World Health Assembly, we put together a 14 economies conversation around tap- in the COVID together. And I'm sure that we can also apply this collaboration well with the SEWF, actually, the mm-hmm. first time that we run those two digital forums in the same place, uh, which is a cyberspace, which is much harder uh, if we have to bring all the Taiwanese to Nova Scotia. And also, uh, yeah. I would also say that it enables us to tackle not only climate change, but also disinformation crisis or even, you know, quantum cryptography or any other yeah. incoming issues that uh, affects the entire
0: Mm, yep, absolutely. And just now, Audrey, you've mentioned the Asia Pacific Social Innovation Summit, and obviously there's a collaboration there with the Social Enterprise World Forum. And prior to us speaking now, you're talking about 400 delegates from Taiwan really participating mm-hmm. in this. Can you talk us through a little bit more about what's planned for the Asia Pacific Social Innovation Summit this year? Sure, certainly, gladly.
1: So the uh, APSIS, um, to shorten the syllables, has uh, seemed uh, reimagine Asia. Uh, and so, uh, this is our third uh, summit, but the first uh, digital one. And we not only uh, share Taiwan's achievements, some of which I described, but we also collectively reimagine the next wave of social development in the Asia Pacific region mm-hmm. to create a friendlier and more mature social innovation ecosystem together. And to that end, this is uh, centered around the action, the impact, sustainability, solution, and ecosystem. And the great thing is that the reimagine sustainability part uh, is a few panels and then we just lead everyone into the social enterprise Mm -hmm. forum and after that after our delegates our viewers which when they purchase a ticket for the abscess automatically gets a ticket for the scwf as well after they attend the scwf then we have the high level dialogue about how to transfer the learnings we learn from the scwf beyond the voluntary local reviews which many taiwanese cities are now doing the sdg voluntary local reviews New York style, uh, but how do we take more social entrepreneurship into account and put it in the front and center to the voluntary local review for the municipalities.
0: Wonderful. I love that action-based approach. And no doubt, throughout both APSIS and SEWF, there'll be a, a range of really inspiring projects and initiatives that are being shared globally. So which ones of those have you come across recently which you believe are creating some great positive social change?
1: Hmm. So one of the uh, most exciting winners of this year's presidential hackathon is, as I briefly mentioned, the CircuPlus uh, tea serving app, right? The the app is... Uh, a combination of the tea serving culture and mass participation to put forward a action plan for plastic reduction. And the idea, very simply, is a water refill map for locating drinking points in Taiwan. Mm. So if one doesn't have to buy water to relieve thirst, people with environmental inclination will be more willing to join in. And so the presidential hackathon paired them with the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, who shared uh, the, you know. Uh, latitudes, longitudes, water quality, and so on. And the team, the social innovators make it social so that people can comment on like, this water tastes sweet, uh, Mm -hmm. or things like that. (laughs) Uh, And uh, in addition, of course, there's various tasks. For example, going to a tea shop, there's a refill station in the Dadao Chen business cluster, you get 50 gold coins and things like that. And since its launch, it has uh, more than uh, increased its participation tenfold thanks to the uh, recognition of presidential hackathon. And it was, I think, a really good idea to use something like Pokemon Go, like gamification, to change people's habits in order to
0: reduce plastic waste. Fantastic. Sounds like a great initiative, and we'll do our best to to throw a link into the article on impactboom.org. So, Audrey, to finish off then, you no doubt have a great array of books and resources and other things that you could recommend to our listeners. Sure. Sure.
1: So I recently joined this uh, Radical Exchange Foundation, where the X is literally an X. So Radical Exchange uh, Foundation uh, with the Ethereum uh, founder Vitalik Buterin, the economist Glenn Wild, Daniel Allen, and so on. And at Radical Exchange, uh, we are basing our ideas on this book called Radical Markets. Mm. And the Radical Markets is um, a few proposals of social innovation in a sense that we re- reimagine how voting is done, how uh, the distribution of matching funds and grants can be fused into quadratic funding mm-hmm. and many other um, seemingly crazy, but actually in Taiwan we're applying it directly to the presidential hackathon like quadratic voting. So I would recommend radical market, not because I believe in each specific idea, but I believe that a uh, very interesting proposition that market and democracy reinforce each other rather than take each other apart and this is something that all social entrepreneurships of course have are not left wing not right wing but a up wing take on the world
0: yeah absolutely audrey you have such great experience in the field i can't help but pop one more question and that would be for our listeners out there who have an idea that are keen to go out there and turn that into impact. They would consider themselves an impact entrepreneur or a social entrepreneur. What would be a parting piece of advice that you would leave with them to consider in taking their idea to impact?
1: Sure, I will share this uh, favorite quote uh, from the singer-songwriter Leonard Cohen, and it goes like this. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack a crack in everything. And that's how the light gets in. So if you perfect your innovation, other people may applaud at you, but they will not join your work. Release early, release often, admit that nothing is perfect. And maybe just by correcting typos uh, or by (laughs) making sure that whatever uh, message that you uh, put forward starts a hashtag that you lose control. If you lose control, other people can take part in your community. So there's a crack in everything and that's how the light gets in.
0: It's a fantastic insight to end with Audrey. So we are very much looking forward to seeing you this year at the APSIS or Asia Pacific Social Innovation Summit and the Social Enterprise World Forum. And now that it's gone digital, you know, people globally are going to be able to join us. So, Audrey, thanks so much again for your really generous insights and time today. We do appreciate it, and we'll look forward to following you on your journey and working with the Taiwanese government. Thank you, and live long and prosper. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org.